0: and what grace he has for us. And as I'm about to speak, and I just want to start by praying, let's just remember who we're about to speak to. We're about to speak to the God who, through his very word, created universes, not just this universe, but universes that we can't even see, we don't know about, we can just see on some telescope. Just by his word that came into being, and we get to speak to him, and he listens to us, it's amazing, and he knew us, and we were far from him, and we were separated from him, we turned our back on him, but because of that wondrous cross, we can come this morning to him as sons and daughters. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, what mercy, what grace that you showed us on that wondrous, wondrous cross, Lord, we want to give everything over to you this morning. Lord, let us be open to seeing more of you and how much you, that you love us. Just as we were worshipping at the end there, I, I just felt God speak to me and say that there's many that are saying, I can't do this, I can't do this. I can't speak to them. I can't deal with this situation. But through him, you can do all things. Through him, all things are possible. So press into him. Lord, we just want to know more and more of you this morning. Lord, I just pray, come and speak with us this morning. Meet with us again, Lord, afresh. It's so good to be in your presence. We love you. We honor you. We exalt you. We want to see your name exalted high above this place in this town, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> I was doing really well. But um that's just, God is just simply overwhelming, isn't he? Um and next Saturday, as Malcolm's already mentioned, we are going to be going out just to let people know how much God loves them. Um, we're going to be meeting here at 10 a.m. And we're going to worship for half an hour. And we're going to split up into groups. We're going to go to four different locations around the town. And we're going to hand out invites to the service on Sunday and maybe give out a few chocolates and stuff and just try and talk to people about the love of God. It's just for two and a half hours of your time on Saturday morning. Just encourage you to come along. Um, I think I've just got a splinter in my leg from this thing, but I'll be all right. Uh, I've, got, I've, I've got a high pain threshold. Um, I'll be all right. Um, also, if I start limping afterwards, you know why. Uh, also, after Easter, we will be starting a daytime alpha on the 25th of April. Um, it will be starting here at 12.15. We'll be doing it on a Tuesday after the community cafe. Um, and we're kind of doing it just to try and sweep people up in it, really, so they can smell the, the freshly baked bread um, and they want to be coming along. We've already got a few names signed up. Um, so, church, if you've got people that are asking questions that you're talking to, I'd encourage you, if they're around in the day, I know not everybody's around in the day, But just for this next season, we're going to be doing one in the daytime on a Tuesday, starting on the 25th of April at 12.15. Last time I spoke, uh, I'm sure it's engraved in your memory, Um, I was just talking about foregoing our rights for the sake of the mission and um, how I talked a little bit about how we live in this very individualistic society and society. Actually, we're called to die to ourselves. We're called to be part of this body that is the church. And I've just been kind of reading and, and digging around really about what the early church did and how they lived their lives together and and what Jesus says about it. And I think one of the key things, one of the key areas is that they shared their lives together. They, they w- were bearing one another's burdens. Um, and I'm going to just start from early in the book of Acts, from Acts chapter uh, 2. So if you could turn into your Bibles, we're going to do this the old-fashioned way today, if you can just look in your Bibles, it's not going to be up on the screen. From Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, Peter, And to the other apostles, "'Brothers, what should we do?' Peter said to them, "'Repent and be baptised, every one of you, "'in the name of Jesus Christ, "'so that your sins may be forgiven, "'and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. "'For the promise is for you, for your children, "'and all who are far away, "'everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him.' And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, "'Save yourselves from this corrupt generation.'" So those who welcomed his message were baptized and that day about 3,000 persons were added, to their, were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. From verse 43, awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and all had things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. I've just been reading these verses and um, just kind of really trying to understand how the early church looked and trying to think about how are we shaped by our current culture and context and how, what the early church looked like. And if you just turn over a page to Acts 4 from verse 32, it says this, Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them for as many owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and they laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as had any need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, and he sold a field that belonged to him and then brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet just those few verses that we looked at we can see that the early believers they really shared their lives with one another they ate together they did life and shared life together and church that is what we're called to do to do life together they were hospitable this is a, what I want to look at this morning is hospitality it is a gift, hospitality is a gift, but it is also something that we should all show to one another and to those outside of Christ. They were good examples here in the early church of how to share the gospel. They shared one another's lives with each other and it was a sign to the unbeliever. Jesus was always eating with people, wasn't he? He ate with Levi, the tax collector. He invites himself around Zacchaeus' house. They show, Jesus and the early church show the importance of hospitality. One definition of hospitality is this, is to do good or be benevolent to those outside of the circle of friends. See, God has put you and I around people that he wants to reveal himself to. To be salt and light. We have multiple opportunities to those around us to share the love of God. Hospitality is a great way to lead others closer to Jesus. And I'm not just talking about having people round your house for dinner. Their, hospitality goes beyond that. I think it can come in two forms. One, two the church, to fellow believers, that we are to bear one another's burdens, we're to be in each other's homes. That's why I love what we're doing with the, uh, the once-a-month church lunches. It just shows great hospitality. It invites people in. And secondly, to those outside our normal circle of friends. Hebrews 13 talks about you could be entertaining angels unaware I don't know if I've ever entertained an angel and I've not been aware of it, but it sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? In uh, 1 Timothy 3, it talks about hospitality being a requirement of eldership. It's important, it's that important that those who lead God's church need to be hospitable. You don't get the guys who uh, can't teach the Bible or know the Bible well, or don't love others. We don't consider those guys. But hospitality can be a little bit put to the side. But it is so important to the body of Christ that it's a requirement of those that lead it. God has been hospitable to us. He has extended his arm of hospitality to us. We were sojourners in a foreign land, And we have been drafted into the promise. It's a quote from a a theologian called John Piper. He says, The physical force of gravity pulls everything to the centre of the earth. In order to break free from earth-centred life, thousands and thousands of pounds of energy have to push a space shuttle away from the centre. There is also a psychological force of gravity that constantly pulls our thoughts and affection and physical actions inward towards the centre of our own selves and our own homes. Therefore, the most natural thing in the world is to neglect hospitality. It is the path of the least resistance. All we have to do is yield to the natural gravity of our self-centred life and the result will be a life so full of self that there is no room for hospitality. We'll forget about it. And we will neglect it. But the Bible bluntly says stop it. Build a launching pad, fill up your boosters, and blast out of your self centered or self oriented routine. Stop neglecting hospitality. Practice hospitality. Church, let's practice hospitality. I was with uh, the youth last night, the youth at the Ignite Youth Weekend Away. And I was just encouraging them to get to know God through this book. And I'm all for studying and learning this book because this is the best way you're going to get to know God, reading this book and spending time in prayer. But we will not grow from studying this book without putting it into practice. There's no good reading about worrying and fear if you worry about everything and fear everything. There's no point reading about God's forgiveness, but yet you hold grudges. I often hear that saying of, I don't suffer fools gladly. Don't suffer fools, or maybe you just don't love like Jesus loves. We grow into our joy of the Lord when we extend the hospitality that we have received. Freely we've received, now freely we must give. Good to study, get to know this book, but you need to put it into practice. It takes obedience to do hospitality. And there are different ways to show it. Again, I'm not just talking about having people around at your dinner table. It goes beyond that. There are a few different ways we can do this. We can greet people well when you meet people in your everyday life, or when we have visitors come h- in here on a Sunday, we can greet them well, we can look them in the eye, we can shake them by the hand, we can ask them questions about themselves. I'm trying to teach my kids this at the moment, because you know what kids like? They sort of go, mm, when you try to introduce them to someone, they don't want to look at them, and then they climb under your leg and stuff. And I'm saying, no, son, look them in the eye, shake them by the hand, don't get weird, you know, you don't just keep staring at them. Um, LAUGHTER <clears throat> He stares at um, girls with blonde hair at the moment, which is not cool at the moment. I said, son, if you're still doing this when you're 15, it's going to be creepy. Um, But let's engage with people well. Ask them questions. Remember their names. This is something I'm really trying to work at, remembering people's names. I often, just to show that I am a fallen, sinful man, but I... Sometimes I will talk to people and they will tell me their names and instantly I've forgotten. And I'm into this conversation and all the while I'm trying to think about what was their name? Was it Bob? Was it Graham? No, it wasn't. But remember people's names. It goes a long way. Engage with them. Ask them open-ended questions. You can make, as well, dinner a priority. It is essential to sit round a dinner table as well. I I appreciate not everybody will have the facility or the space to do this, to have people round, but with the unsaved and with with your family, it is so important for me to sit round the dinner table with my family to ask them questions so we can talk about the day. It's really, really important. And having people round, getting to know other people within... The body of the church. You get to know people well. You get to know people have weird food tastes and won't eat certain things. But it is so important just to have people around as well. Or or go out for coffee with them. It doesn't have to be in your house. Just get to know people. We are to share our lives with one another. We can be so shaped by this culture that we are in today there has never been a more individualistic society than what we are living in right now you know I talk to young people and they talk about friends that they have oh they're good friends but they've never met them they're just friends through some social media type and me being a little old-fashioned maybe saying they're not friends you've never met them but that's the way people are engaging today Face to face, you can't beat it. So how do we do this with a church? We share lives with one another. As we grow as a church, it will be even more important to get involved in a house group or life group. Do we call them home groups or life groups? You can call them whatever you want. Connect groups, didn't come up with connect. Join a connect group. Group, which is like a home group and a life group. Um, <laughs> get involved, share your life, be op- open your lives to one another. That's what they did in this book. They shared their lives, they s- even sold their possessions. I'm not going to get there yet, maybe in a few weeks we'll, we'll go there. Um, get to know one another in groups, pray with other people. Over the years, I've found it so helpful to be with a smaller group of friends, with one or two other guys, just praying and sharing our lives with one another. Be open to others. Be open to other people speaking into your life. When we read through the book of Acts, the pouring out of the Spirit often happened in groups of people. We need to be saved from individuality. We are called to be a people, a people, not a person. We're called to be a people. We should be, as a church, a model of what the future holds. We're called to love one another. In 1 John 3... Verse ten he says, This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love brother and sister. See, we can sing all the songs, but if we don't love. We can't say I love Jesus, but I'm not really fussed about the church. That's not that's not biblical, that's not what the Bible teaches says, be involved. Be served and serve in the church. There's work that he's given us to do. See, it's not playing safe, is it opening your life to other people? It's taking a risk. Saying, speak into my life. I have never had friendships like I have within the church. I don't have a, the depth of relationship that I have found with friends that I've found within the church. It does not, for me, it doesn't exist outside of this context. And the world is crying out for that community, for that love, for that acceptance. The, um, the last video we did at, at Alpha on the Wednesday night, we haven't quite got there in the daytime yet, but um, is on the church. And you just realise what a glorious, magnificent thing that the church is and that I have just find love and acceptance. and It's just amazing. Do you know it's the one thing that's going to remain? It's the one thing that's going to remain. Everything else, else, it says, moth and rust will destroy. The one thing that is going to remain is the, the church. Can I just ask you to turn in your Bibles to... John seventeen from verse twenty. This is Jesus praying to his father. He says. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on the behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given them, so that they may be one as we are one. That's quite a challenge. Church, we are to be as one, As Jesus and the Father were one. Jesus and the Father, pretty close, eh? Church, we're called to be as close as that. That is quite, when I read that, it's quite challenging. We're to be as one, as Jesus and the Father were one. Why? So the world will know that Jesus was sent. We are to be united as a church so that the world will see and looking in, I've never seen love like this. See, we can talk about lots of ideas about how to reach people, which I have been coming up with these ideas as well. But Jesus says, it's how you love each other. It's not just about Us gathering together on a Sunday to sing these songs and to hear somebody speak from the Bible. It's not just about meeting in a building. Francis Chan is an American pastor. He says this, if all we ever do is gather in a private building on Sundays and perhaps meet in someone's home for a midweek Bible study, the world will never know whether we're united or not. If Jesus' desire for us is to be realized, we're going to have to stop hiding from the eyes of the unbelieving world. Jesus prayed for a unity, which means that we have to focus on loving and serving each other. But we need to be doing this in such a way that the world can see what we're doing and recognize it as a picture of unity. This is so important. So important, church. Coming into the presence of something greater, and more magnificent than us. We can be united in that. And as we gather together in his presence, everything else just seems kind of meaningless. We are, says in 1 Peter, living stones built in to be a holy temple, a spiritual house. So is it possible that if we are truly united and one anothering with, it, with one another the glory of god will manifest itself share your lives with one another get involved in small groups it is such a joy we found this in our previous church as well we we so connected with uh, a few families we were just there for one another we did life with one another we had I mean, circumstance as well drew us together because we all had similar age children. But we just did life together. We, nobody particularly had any family around them. If somebody was doing something or a couple needed to go and do something or somebody was ill, we would have their kids. We would just scoop them up and they'd get involved with our kids. And we would just be like a continual um, extension of our family. The kids would just do life together. We go on holiday still with a a couple, a family from the church. We went last year, we're going this year, just because we love just being with one another. These guys would be there for us at the drop of a hat. That's what we're called to be, to be with one another. keeps us straying as well, being open with one another and share in our lives, straying from Christ, to bear one another's burdens, to open our homes. There is nowhere else like this church in the whole world but the church. One body, one spirit, one hope, one baptism. We need to support each other, love one another, encourage one another, seeing the church operate in a way that it should. It's like the body working properly. Now, last year, um, at the beginning of the year, I got gout in my foot. And it sounds quite funny, which it does sound quite funny, but it is extremely painful. And I probably had about three or four days off work. I was self-employed, so you don't work, you don't get paid. So I had to go to work, and I was in Agony actually, I was almost in tears climbing up roofs because I was in so much pain. But the problem was the rest of my body was compensating, so after a couple of weeks, my hip and my knee were starting to ache on my other leg because one part of my body wasn't operating properly. So, church, we need the whole body to operate. So, I could encourage you if you are not serving in an area, then Get involved. Get serving. We need people in the tea and coffee. Come and speak to Caroline afterwards. And I'm sure there are many other areas where, church, you can get involved. It does say that in it talks about that in Ephesians four. Growing up, every part working properly, it makes the body grow. We want to see the body grow, don't we? Secondly, how can we do it to the unbeliever? <clears throat> the very word hospitality in Greek is "philosenia," It comes from two words, love and stranger. So we are to love the stranger. It is intrinsically linked with who we are. So is loving those outside of Christ. In Genesis 18 and 19, Abraham reaped rich blessings through his hospitable act. There is joy to be had by having people in your home and praying for them and seeing them saved. I remember a couple of guys in Bury St Edmunds we they came along to a couple of churches but we just swept them up we said come around for dinner just hang out with us be with the kids. We prayed for them we saw them saved and baptized. And what joy that is. What joy that is. It's just getting involved in it's like going to work with dad. The father is calling us into his plan, and he wants us to be involved in his rescue plan. That's called saving the world. That's just he's just going to work with your dad. He wants us to go to work with him, so let's join in, bringing good news to that Christ has come to save the world from condemnation. See, evangelizing and witnessing has changed over the years. We don't really do the door-knocking anymore, do we? Because people don't like to be intruded. And nothing has really replaced that to be true, has it? But hospitality can. Just having people in your home or going out for coffee with them, just showing them love, befriending them. God has uniquely placed you where you are to be hospitable, to extend that arm of hospitality that you've been shown by God. Use your own story. What's happened to you? What, what has God done in your life? Reading the Bible with a friend can be very powerful. Letting that speak. Draw people in. I remember in my early days of being a Christian, just people who put up with me. Without them, I... I I probably wouldn't be here. Who just showed me love and I just observed their lives. I had real power. Asked some questions. I was loved unconditionally. It's not always about going around somebody's house for dinner but just hanging out, spending time. Because we've been drawn in, haven't we? We've been invited in by the king. He's extended his arm of hospitality to us. He has invited us into a meal that we are going to partake in today. He's invited us in to a meal to remember what he did. He took the bread and he said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance. He took the cup. He said, "This is what's poured out for me." This is a new covenant in His blood. Church, as we come and do this, we're going to eat the bread and drink the grape juice. Um, serve one another. Malcolm and Paul, is it all right if you guys just um, break the bread for us? I'm just going to read Matthew twenty-six. <clears throat> but while they were eating Jesus took a loaf of bread and after blessing it he broke it he gave it to the disciples and said take, eat, this is my body then he took a cup and after giving thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins I tell you that I will never eat, never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day, when I drink it in, drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Because of what He did. Because of that wondrous cross, where His body was broken and His blood was poured out. Do we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you that. You have drawn us in. You have shown the biggest, kindest, hospitable act ever by inviting us into this meal as we do it in remembrance of you. That your body was broken for us so that we can know you. Your blood was poured out to cover us once and for all. And that you no longer see us now. Father, when you look at us, you see Jesus. What an amazing truth that is, that we have been invited in to this meal. Lord Jesus, we praise you and honor you. And we just want to say we're so grateful. Thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you for your blood that was poured out for us, Lord Jesus. Amen.